welcome official bitches and fellas. To tell you guys that I have recorded this episode, this intro, about five times. I like, I mean, I'm not lying about it. Here's what's going on. I'm going to be completely open and honest with everyone. I don't know where to start this podcast. There is so much that needs to be unveiled and talked about and the foundation laid for and everything that you can possibly think of that I'm like, it's almost like unscrambling a whole fucking lifetime, which I know you guys don't need an entire lifetime, but when you like go to therapy and you go to therapy so much and you've learned so much and all this time that I've been away from you, it's like, I could start here, but that makes me sound this way. I could start here, but that's this way. That's, you know, so I start questioning myself. I start rethinking everything that I'm doing. And then I start like hesitating because I'm like, oh, I don't want to put that out there. And so this, this time that I'm recording, literally this episode that I'm recording, I'm not going to edit. I'm just going to free ball it. And I'm sending it because I really need to get my mind back into being that raw, vulnerable, open person with you guys that like fuck the world type thing, right? With that being said, um, I am not going to be talking in real time any longer on my podcast. So it's not that uh, like some things will be like a couple weeks ago, some things will be a couple months ago, some things will be I'm dealing with right now, but I will not be discussing everything real time, just given the fact that I am in court with my ex-husband. Not only that, I am, I loved the idea. I loved the fact that my life was private. I loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. I love it currently. And I don't want to bring that back out. Not only that, when I share with you guys my vulnerability, my triggers, things that upset me, um, where he can poke the bear, those were, um, those were used against me to like, oh, that got to her. Let's do it a little bit more. Whether he listens or not, whether his, you know, flying monkeys listens, whether the rats listen, whatever the case may be, um, that's what was starting to happen. So those are things that I want to share with you guys. Um, where have I been? Where have I been since my last episode? Trust me. Let's hold the applause. I was very excited and gung-ho about coming back. Trust me, I was like, I'm back with my people. I have so much to talk about. I have so much to get off my chest. I have so much to vent about. I have so much to teach them. I have so much to show them, all the things. Now, when that idea came into my head, um, I was going 50-50 with my ex-husband. I don't have time as a single mom. So when I knew, hey, we agreed, we talked about it, we came up with a date, this was the decision that we were making, we were going 50-50 with our kids. Something that he had been bugging me about, something he throws in my face, something he talks shit about, all the above. I got to a point that I was like, you know what, they're old enough, I need to get my life back in order, which we'll get to in a second, and 50-50 is going to work beautifully. When it came down to it, no, I'm not doing 50-50. He no longer wants 50-50. I can't force someone to take 50-50. I, um, I can't even take him to court to be like, hey, give him 50-50. Um, a judge can't force someone to take their kids more. Like that, it's probably unheard of. <laughs> um, I'm sure people hear it uh, the other way around. Like, hey, I want my kids, but he's basically declining what I'm offering him. So, um, I, 
I thought I would have a lot more time to come on here and talk to you guys and get through all of it um, and share with you guys and brainstorm and bullet point and edit and all the above. But no, I'm still stuck in the same cycle that I'm always in, which is my kids are still on a very strict schedule. Um, We have bedtime, bath time, teaching, everything. I still have four toddlers during the day. I'm still completely busy. So by the time I put them to bed at eight o'clock at night, I am done. My social capsule is completely empty and I don't want to talk to anything, anyone or do anything. I literally sit in my bed, watch my feel good shows, which are useless shows that don't do anything for your brain. And I either talk on the phone or I sit on TikTok and do nothing. And that's what I like doing. So I don't, as much as I love you guys, it's like talking to a friend that you kind of just like, I just need a break because that's exactly what it is. I don't have any social skills left by the end of the day. I'm completely drained. I mean, you can imagine if you're a mom, if you're a dad, whatever the case may be, or even if you don't have kids. I have four four-year-olds. They scream, they fight, they cry, they need stuff all day, they go to the bathroom all day. I have to bathe them. I have to do laundry. I still have to maintain my house. I still have to figure out ways to make money. My day is extremely exhausting, extremely exhausting. People always ask me, oh, is it harder now or was it harder when they're newborns? I would take the newborn stage over this any day, any day. I am way more exhausted now than I've ever been in my entire life. Like, I am so exhausted. Um, So with that being said, hi, I'm here. We're going to try this again. The kids start school very soon. And I think that I, when they're in school, I will have a little bit more time to do what I need to do um, and get back to this podcast. So I'm not promising you guys a weekly episode, but I'm going to promise you that I'm going to be on here more than I have been. Um, I'm trying to do every other week. I'm going to try my hardest. Um, Okay, recap to, I don't know, last month's episode, two months ago episode. We're not judging. We are not judgers here. Yes, we are. We're complete judges, 100% judgmental bitches. But we have to, we have to, you know, pick and choose our judgment right now. Okay. So you guys can all be mad at me, talk shit, whatever. I don't give a fuck. Just stay there and keep listening. Okay. Moving on. First thing I have to say is you guys are some loyal as fuck bitches. Now, as a person who has gone through so much betrayal in her life, literally nonstop, and if you, once we get into the stories today, like current day, you're going to be like, damn, you had more betrayal in your life? Like, I think I'm just prone to it. I think I'm a magnet for it. And because I'm a horrible people reader, it just happens. But you guys are the most loyal fucking bitches and fellas ever. My first day, I got back to the exact numbers that I usually had previously when I, before I went on hiatus. Current day, I have exceeded that number. Current day, I have new people listening. I don't know if that comes from TikTok. I don't know if it's people talking. Um, I do have new sets of friends that I do talk to, and I know they spread the word, and they become addicted, and I get all these new people, and then people are going through things, and it's almost never ending. Even when I was on hiatus, there were still people that were reaching out and talking to me and asking questions, listening to the podcast, and it was never ending, which I love that aspect of it. I'm never too busy for that, just so you guys all know. Like, I may read it and get back to you later on, or I may read it and get back to you another day, but I will always get back to you. I'll always try and get back in contact with you if that's what you're trying to, like, get advice from me because, trust me, I know I've been there, whether it's dating um, divorce, kids, um, sex, whatever the case may be, single mom life. 
all that. Like I've gotten all the questions. So I love you for all of that. Um, I was contacted by another podcast recently to share my story and um, I totally am on board for that. So I will let you guys know when that comes out. However, the loyalty, I love you. I love you all for it. Um, Recap. So, so many of you were like, why are we trying to be friends with the girlfriend? And most of them were my friends or, you know, people that are, I know, or whatever the case is. And it's funny because I get that a lot when I, when someone asks me like, whoa, how do you feel about a girlfriend? You know, um, first of all, the girlfriend's been around for, um, well, it depends who you ask, but as far as I know, I don't know, the timeline's pretty fucked up. And when I get to those episodes, y'all are going to be like, oh, 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 okay. I get why this is so confusing. Um, but the timeline's pretty fucked up, but it's for sure been, um, at least two years now. Um, but if you ask one of her, it's like close to four years, I want to say, or yeah, I think it's close to four years. And if you ask him, it's like, I don't know. It's very confusing. I get, there's so many, this is one thing that like is crazy about this situation is there's so many mutual people, um, that are connected between her and I that basically aren't, um, it's not known. And I try and keep it that way as much as I can. Um, and I don't know if they do too. I don't know. It's, it's kind of a weird thing, but when you both grow up in a small town, like that just kind of happens. Um, but either way, so there's like different stories, scenario. I don't know. It's all fucking confusing. But the point is, I'm not trying to be friends with her. I know that this is what everyone's like. Why are we praising her? Why are you trying to be friends with her? I'm not. I'm not. And I understand how it seems like that. And it's understood that way. But I'm not. And once you get to this point of single mom life or separated wife or divorce or, you know, whatever the heck, whatever the heck you label me as, um, there comes this point that you just only care about your kids' well-being and how they're being treated and if they're loved and all the above. And I am very lucky to have her as that person in that spot. Um, Once you get to this place of, I don't know, this place of just wanting to, I mean, just being okay with another woman being in your kids' lives. um, And it's a big place to be. It it truly is. And I, I actually commend myself for it because I go, I used to go to these groups um, therapy lessons and so many women and even friends and family and things are like, I can never, I can never have another woman around my kids. Like I'm their mom. Once you get past that, where you realize like, yeah, she's never going to be my kid's mom. Like that, that's never going to be replaced. I'm their mom. I think it's a lot easier. So, um, and the one thing about her and I, both of us is we don't, we don't, we know our lane. We don't cross over to the other lane. She doesn't get involved. I don't get involved. I've never spoken a word to her besides the very first day about him. Um, and that was just purely out of anger. So once you hear the story, you'll understand. Um, and she's never spoken to me about the situation of our co-parenting divorce, anything of the sort. She just stays in her lane. I stay in my lane and that's it. So I'm not trying to praise her. I'm definitely not trying to be her friend. I do not want to be her friend. I don't want to have anything to do with her outside of my kids. Um, She's a great girl. And again, once I get to the episodes, you'll understand so much more. But she is 100% the perfect match for him. There could not be a better match for him at all. At all. 100%. He found it. 
luck of the fucking Irish, he found his match. And that is the perfect girl that is going to ride with him till the end. Um, I, you can quote me now, they will be together for a long time. Um, but either way, um, she, I, we're great. We're fine. Well, I wouldn't say we're great. We're fine. We talk to each other. We can sit with each other. We can even have girl talk with each other. Like we don't, she talks to my family. It's never a weird feeling. I talk to her more than I talk to him in public places. Um, it's, it's fine. And like I said, there's this weird feeling of being like comfortable with, um, like, okay, my kids have a mom over there. One thing that I'm grateful for and I'm lucky about is that I don't ever feel that my kids are in danger with their, with their dad. And I know that I've had so many people that I've talked to that I've met that are like, I can't be calm when my kids are with the other parent. I 100% can, 100% can. I, I don't fear for them. I know that he will take care of them. I know they're safe and I feel that they're safe around her as well. Um, that doesn't take away and I, I, I'm only going to say this because I know I'm probably going to get a question about it. It doesn't take away the fear of the unknown. I don't know this woman. I completely understand that. But um, I, and I wouldn't say I trust her. In fact, she's not allowed to be alone or alone around my kids. Well, that's my rule. I don't know if he follows it. And it has nothing to do with her personally, but I wouldn't let anyone alone around my kids. I'm probably very overbearing in that place, overprotective, but I, I really, really have a hard time with, I mean, you just hear about so much stuff and even like, I just, I just can't do it. Um, and I would never do it on my end either. Um, so either way, it is what it is. I will have, um, story time about it. For those of you that are like, I want to see a picture. You're never going to see a picture. You, you guys don't even see a picture of my ex-husband. Like you're never going to see a picture. Um, and I will have story time about it. My episodes completely leading up to that. And when it comes to it, you guys are going to be like, oh, I get it. Oh, I see it. Oh my God. Like we thought he couldn't get any worse. Trust me, when I say someone's character, someone's character, that is their character. These aren't mistakes that this man has made. These are his character. So, um, okay. I love all of you that were so excited about C. Um, I love, I love the ones who are like, I want the love story. I love you bitches because you're so totally me on my other side of me because half of me is like, fuck you. And the other half of me is like, love me. Um, so I totally get the whole romantic story, a line that you guys want. It is true Tina fashion. I would so tell you right now, but I don't have time, but it is true Tina fashion of me being a complete bitch to him. Um, me, him chasing me, him pursuing me, all the above. And in the end, it was like, oh, I completely submit to you. I completely trust you. I'm completely secure with you. I'm completely comfortable with you. All the above. Um, I've I've never felt more comfortable with anyone in my entire life. And when I say submit, I truly mean that. I, um, I've, I one great. Well, we'll get to that later. But yes, um, I'm happy. I'm content. Um. I hope it's him for a very long time. Um, I do self-sabotage and we'll get into that eventually. Um, but for now, it's it's fine. It's great. It's, I mean, I, I, one thing, I don't know if I mentioned this in my last episode, but one thing is completely is that I fucking love 
a long distance relationship. I don't think I could ever go back to a non long distance relationship. Like I fucking love it. Love it. Um, okay. So, um, how should I do this next part? Uh, okay. So I did get a question. I got to get serious, but I'm going to do that at the end, I guess. Um, I did get a question and we already know, and who would I be to not answer this question? Because when do I not talk about sex, even though this is forbidden right now? Um, but, um, one thing you guys should know about my podcast is every single person that I've ever been involved with, with the exception of soulmate does not know about my podcast. C does know about my podcast, but he doesn't know about my podcast. Um, Soulmate obviously does, and he listened, and he, I don't know if he currently listens. I haven't talked to Soulmate in seven months now. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That just dawned on me. That's, excuse me while I take that in. Wow. Um, okay, haven't talked to Soulmate in seven months. Seven months. My God. Um, okay. Um, but C and I have been together for a long time at this point, pretty long time. Uh, and way past seven months. Um, so either way, um, he's the only one that knew C knows about it. He doesn't know the extent of it, but here's the thing. Ain't no one, no one that I know is going to know about my podcast, the name of it, all the above until there's a fucking ring on my finger and we're sitting in our fucking honeymoon suite at the end of getting married and that fucking marriage license has been sent out because let me tell you do they know do they know the gist of it like C knows the gist of it he doesn't believe it he does not he thinks I'm such a fucking prude that he does not believe that I had this whole host stage that I went through fucking the mud and all the shit and came out and to be this person because he consistently tells me like you're such a fucking prude you have so many rules blah 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 um but I, so like, they don't know. However, the question was, um, and the reason it's forbidden is because he doesn't want this talked about, but I mean, eh, we're just going to talk a little bit about it. Um, was Tina, you said C was younger than you. What's, what's the jury on older or younger? Is the jury out? Um, let's see. How do I talk about this? So first and foremost, we need them both. We 100% need them both. I could never give up the guys my age or the ones older than me. I think the oldest that I've ever been with is like nine years older than me. And the youngest is absolutely C, um, who's four, four years younger than me. Um, and I, I can't give either of them up. But here's the thing. Okay, let me let me start this by saying I am the happiest I've ever been in that in sexually I'm the happiest and most satisfied I've ever been in my entire life. Um and it's not it's not just the sex. Like there will be times that C and I will be together for like 3 days straight and we probably only had sex like 3 times. Like so I think it's just more of the security that I have with him and the um, safety net that he gives me and the comfort that I have. And I don't want to say that I've never had that with anyone else because I definitely had it with soulmate. I definitely had it with the Colombian, um, which you guys don't know the Colombian. We'll talk about him at a later time. Um, But um, 
I, I definitely think that that plays a role in it. But if we're just talking about performance and excitement, I guess you can say, I mean, hands down, the younger ones win. I don't think, here's the thing. They're both going to get the bread. We're both going to get the bread. We both got in the car and drove to get the fucking bread, right? And they're getting the bread and they know how to get the bread and they know where to get the bread at. They know what store we're going to. But if we're, you know, walking around the market and we're trying things and we're, you know, exploring and seeing what we like and what we don't like and savoring things and all the above, they're both going to do it. However, guys my age and guys older than me, they're going to be walking through it and they're going to take their time and they're going to lollygag and maybe window shop a little bit and, you know, hold my hand through it and, you know, maybe a tap on the butt every now and like, you know, it's not, I mean, don't get me wrong. We're going to have, you know, a mix in both worlds, but that's, that's generally, and they're going to get the bread and they're going to do it and they're, and we're going to be great and we're all happy, right? Okay. When you go to someone younger, and I don't know if this is just my younger guy. I don't know. He's the first guy ever. First of all, everything fucking turns them on. Everything turns them on. And someone for me that came from a sexless marriage and was rejected sexually her entire life, um, that is like number one for me. Like I fucking love that shit. Like I love the fact that like everything turns him on. Everything I do. Um, But... He's going to, he's still going to go shopping with me. We're still going to get in the car and go shopping, but he's going to be doing like kicks and backflips, jumping on a skateboard. He's going to be doing all this fucking shit that you're just like, what? Whoa, 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 whoa. And then you're just like, are you breathing down there? Like, can you breathe? Okay, we're good. Okay, keep going. Um, they, they're extreme. <laughs> and then let's just say, all pun intended, they are up for the challenge and their turnaround time is like two minutes tops, tops. Like, I don't even know if they need a turnaround time, but I need time to like fucking calm my ass down to like go for it. But we like, I it's, and the thing is, he's not at his peak. I'm not at my peak. Like, but the other thing is we're long distance. So you do appreciate it more when you get together. That anticipation is a lot, a lot stronger because you haven't seen each other in two weeks. Majority of the time we haven't seen each other in two weeks. So it's definitely, definitely a change. Um, but it, he's definitely, I mean, if things don't work out, he's not going to be my last one. That's for goddamn sure. That's for sure. Um, but I still appreciate the others. I do. I do. I can't say, I mean, I've had great experiences. I was just talking to someone about that recently. Like, I don't think that I've ever had a bad experience, like an eh, okay experience. Yeah, but I don't think I've ever had a bad experience. You guys would have to remind me if I have, but I don't think I ever have. I've been lucky. Um, but either way, um, I mean, th- they they can go for hours and hours and hours. And you're just like, what in the actual fuck? Like, what happens to you? What happens to you? Like, what what happened to you? Like, let's talk about this. Like, I literally, there have literally been times that I'm like, are you good? And he's like, I'm fine. And I'm like, okay, can you breathe? Yeah, I'm great. Like, don't worry about me breathing. And I'm like, okay. Like, (laughs) I can't, I mean, I need a rec table for this for sure. But definitely 100%. um, Older, younger, I'm going to have to say at this point, if I have to answer because you guys are, you know, forcing me to answer. 
I would have to say younger. I would definitely have to say younger at this point in my life. But at some point, I'm going to get tired. I'm going to be sleepy. And when I'm sleepy, I don't, I don't need my legs up there. I don't, I don't need to be in this position. I don't want to know if my hip can pop this way. I don't want to know how deep my squat goes. Like, I mean, there's going to be a time that I don't want all that. And I'm going to go back to somebody that's 10 years older than me. Like I'm, so I feel young again. You, you know, you, you gotta weigh your options. Um, okay, moving on. Um, and like I said, the whole C love story, we'll get to it because C has developed a lot of things in my life that we definitely will talk about and touch on and things of the sort. Um, so there were so many of you pressed about child support. Um, yes, sis, fella, bitches, fellas, whatever. I feel ya. I love it. I love it. I can't even explain how many people are like, wait, what? He still doesn't pay you child support? Wait, what? How the fuck do you do it? Can't even tell you how many people. Um, Now, here's the thing. I'm just going to answer a blanket of questions that I usually get, not necessarily that people ask, but that I usually get. Um, Here are the facts. My ex-husband does work. He owns our business. He is very successful in that business. It is going strong. Um, He doesn't even have to physically be at our business in order for it to make money. That's how successful that business has gotten throughout the years. I built this business with him from the ground up. I was the one who worked two to three jobs to keep that business afloat when he wasn't working any jobs at the time. Um, I'm the one who worked two and three jobs to get equipment, to pay for tools, to do whatever the case was to get that business going. That business is 100% half mine. Now, I have never seen a dime from that business from the second I left. In fact, once I got pregnant, that's, and he knew I was depending on him, that's when the financial abuse started. Now, I've never talked about any of this. You guys are going to learn so much throughout this new season of things that I've never talked about, things that I've never said, because the rose-colored glasses are off, and my protective gear, their protective gear is completely gone. I will not protect anyone anymore, and everything's just going to come out and spill like fucking beans. So, um... We, I do not receive anything from that business. Now, the business is still going. It's going strong. He flexes about it. He talks about it. It is definitely not a hidden secret. Now, he is ordered to pay child support. He has been ordered to pay child support. A year after we separated, I, I went and filed child support because he was not helping me financially. And I left that house with basically nothing in my pocket. So relying on him with babies who were still in diapers and all the above was nearly impossible. And he had shown me time and time again that he is not reliable, that he's not going to be there. So I thought putting him on child support would help. At the time he had a job, he quit his job four months later. Um, As soon as child support started garnishing, they were able to garnish three checks and then he quit his job. So they can no longer garnish from anywhere. People ask me all the time, oh, they can garnish it. They have nowhere to garnish it from. They have nowhere to garnish it from. He is self-employed. He, it is up to him to go in and pay it. Now, um, he is over $30,000 in arrears. Um, last year, and I only know this because I just had to get the printout just recently. Um, last year, he paid $5,000 for the entire year of child support. $5,000 for three kids. $5,000. Um, this year... He paid, he has paid $500, $500. We are six months into this year as I speak to you right now. $500. Okay. 
With that all being said, yes, his parents know. Yes, his family knows. Yes, I have pleaded with his family. Yes, I've sent them pictures. Yes, I have sent them screenshots. Yes, I have sent them the letters. Yes, I have asked them, can you please have him buy them a jacket? Can you please have him pay something? I'm behind on my bills. I need my electricity paid. Can you please have him go put $100 into child support? All the above, they don't care. It's not their problem. It's not going to happen. Okay, number whatever number we're on. Um, We do not have 50-50. Even if we did have 50-50, he would still have to pay me because he makes significantly more money than me. But we do not have 50-50. We don't have anything close to 50-50. With all of that, another thing, I am not able to work because I am not able to afford daycare. Daycare is going to cost me $3,000. I have begged and pleaded with him to help me pay daycare and give me half of daycare so that I can go to work. And if he were to give me half of daycare, I will drop child support. I would have never even filed if he would have helped me with daycare, but he didn't. Why? Because I don't want to rely on him. I don't want to ask him for anything. I don't want him to ever feel and mark my words that he has control over me because of money. So I didn't ever want to go to child support, but I had to. Now I, it's probably the best decision I ever made. Now he what he would have paid in half of daycare is equivalent to what he pays in child support. So he wouldn't have saved any money. However, he would have um, not been ruining his life at this point. So yes, every single disciplinary action that they take on someone that doesn't pay child support has happened. They report to credit bureaus every couple months and all of this is reported. His his credit is completely shot. They've taken away his license, his passport. He has travel restrictions travel restrictions. He's found the loophole. He figures out how to travel as long as he goes out of Mexico and he goes by foot. He can do it. Um, he has all, he is definitely up for felony. He is, he is set to go to prison. He is set to go to prison every few months, but as soon as he knows he's going to go to prison, he's figured it out like a fucking charm. Um, as soon as he knows he's going to prison, he will go in and he will make a payment. And unfortunately in the state of California, as long as you make even a $100 payment, it's showing them that you are trying. Now, the number one question I get asked, oh, can he afford it? Yes, absolutely. 100% he can afford it. If you know him, if you don't know him, trust me, this man can afford it. This man is the, he is not quiet about his life. He is not quiet about his life. This man absolutely 100% can afford it. My, this man is, he's, Yes, he can afford it. And even if he couldn't afford it, child support has offered him on several occasions that if you cannot afford it, let us know. We can send you to the judge and you can plead with the judge. You can show him the proof that you can't afford it and we will take care of it. He's never been able to do that because he's not going to be able to prove to a judge that he can't afford it. Why? Because the amount that he's supposed to pay is literally so small compared to four or three kids, four or three kids compared to what he makes. Um, it's very small. Okay. Number one question I get asked by investigation unit, by our child support officer, by the judges, by whoever, why doesn't he pay it? What does he say? The last text message that I have, which was dated a long time ago from him, um, that I asked him, why don't you pay it? It's because he said, I'm not paying for your nails, your hair, or your vagina to get waxed. Exact words, right? So first of all, sir, None of that has ever gone without since I've left you. And he knows that. So my theory and my therapist theory and 
I guess, investigations units theory as well is, um, oh, yes. Okay. Also, people ask all the time, can't they just take stuff? First of all, they can't take anything, any property because it's in both of our names. So it doesn't hurt any. Um, Secondly, um, they do try and seize bank accounts, but he no longer keeps money in his bank accounts. He, they can never find money, which is why investigation unit is on him and contacts me and communicates with me because they are trying to find where his money is. Um, they know that they know he has the money. They're just not, they just can't find it. Um, like I'm telling you, I deal with the most calculated, manipulated, manipulative man I've ever, ever known. And God, I never even know. I never even knew until I, you know, understood it. Um, so that's the reason he, that's in his mind, that's why he doesn't pay. So that $200 that I spend on that a month, um, or 250, let's say I spend on that a month. He's not giving me anything because I'm going to spend $200 of that on that. Now, what he's ordered to pay would not cover a household of four. Trust me, it would not. My bills are way more just living bills than what he's ordered to pay. So we're good there. But if it feels good in his little brain that that's what his child support is paying for, then whatever, because he doesn't even pay it anyways. So, um, Lastly, what it is and what I believe it is and what professionals believe it is and what I have decided it is, is financial abuse and control. This man is willing to lose everything in his life, ruin his entire life, just so that he can prove that he's not giving me a dime, just so that he can try and make me fail, just so that he can see me struggle just so that he can come out and be the better parent, the funner parent, and the Disneyland dad. Just so that he can go and post on social media, I take care of my kids, without being able to say, I take care of my kids. Because this man thinks if I go pay ballet this month, $100, um, then I take care of my kids. If I go and buy my kids some shoes for my house, I'm taking care of my kids. I'm sorry, what, what about actually taking care of your kids because your kids can't live in their shoes and they also can't go live in their ballet studio. So thank you for paying for their ballet for one month, but that doesn't mean you take care of your kids, but he is the first person, the only person I never do it because why I'm actually their parent, but he is the first person to brag and show the world of what he does for his kids because he needs that validation. He needs people to be like, he is a good dad. He needs people to be like, Tina's fucking crazy. This man does everything for these kids. In fact, just recently, someone told me I never have my kids because they're friends with both of us on social media. And they see my kids so much on his social media that she questioned me as to why I don't have my kids and why I don't go to their games and why I don't go to their ballet and why I don't go, why I don't go to their practices. Ma'am, I'm the one who takes them. Ma'am, I'm the one who pays for it. Ma'am, I'm the one who shows up every fucking time, whether I have to or not. I'm there. I just don't post it because I don't need the validation. I don't need anyone to praise me for it. So it is 100% financial abuse, financial control. He is willing to do whatever it takes to try and save himself and keep that mask on and protect himself. And for years, for as long as I've filed child support, everyone has asked me, people that know us, people that know him, people that have known them for years. His family can't know. I know his family. They have money. They can't know. And my response to everyone was always, I don't know. I don't know what they know. 
Although I knew the entire time they knew because I've gone to them. I've gone crying to them. I've texted them. I've called them. I've told them in person. I have told them. Why? Because one of someone very close to him actually is the person that told me this and it actually clicked in my head. The cust- he is very Hispanically culture. The customary Hispanic culture, meaning like they're from Mexico, is you take care of your family and you come last. That is the Hispanic culture. You hear all these old stories. In fact, I would hear stories within his family of them going out, getting their checks on Friday, drinking all day, not coming home for the whole weekend, but they went and they dropped off that check to their wife at home so that she can make sure she has food for the week and the kids are taken care of for the week and they drink the rest of their money. That is what a man does. This man, it doesn't even, I don't need him to take care of me, but I need him to at least pitch in to take care of his children. But here's the other thing. This man doesn't even know how his kids are being taken care of. He has no clue. He, no clue. He just knows someone's doing it and that's fine. He doesn't know how much money I make. He doesn't know how much I work. And if he does think that I work when he has the kids, then what, I'm working eight hours a week and you think that's enough to support us? Like this man has no idea. Okay. So I know the next question is, how do you do it, Tina? People ask me all the time, how do you do it? Um, I'm sorry. I don't think I finished the last conversation. Yes. So his parents do know. And I used to pretend that they didn't because I wanted to protect them. I knew that this was his circus and not his parents. And I wanted to protect them. At this point, I, my mind has changed completely. And I look at them as not only are these their grandchildren, not only um, do they know the truth, but they turned a blind eye to it. And not only do they turn a blind eye to it, they go around and they not all of them, but certain ones go around and pretend that I'm the problem, that I'm some money hungry person and that I am taking him to the cleaners in court, which I am, um, for no reason. But in actuality, I have every reason in the world. And it took me four years to take him to court, four years to get my mind right, to understand that actually, no, I do deserve all of this. So now I will not stay quiet. Now I understand that as I am more in a clear state of mind, that if my son ever came to me and had a kid and he wasn't taking care of that kid, trust me, your ass is going to take care of that kid. And if your ass is not taking care of that kid, I'm definitely going to step in and help that mother out 100%. And you guys can say that it's different and I wouldn't know until I got into the situation, but I know damn well that I will raise my kids, that their kids come first, 100%. Not social media and not the view of it. Not the reputation. I don't give a fuck about your reputation. I don't give a fuck about your Disneyland dad. All this man has to worry about is what he's doing with them every, every other weekend to have fun and post and do all the things and show the world how happy he is. I have to actually parent them. I have to actually worry about where they're eating, what they're eating, the roof over their head, if they have electricity, if they have water, if they have gas. I have to worry about the clothes on their back. I have to worry about everything that has to do with school, everything that has to do with medical, everything that has to do with dental, everything that has to do with sports, everything that has to do with programs. I have to teach them daily to make sure that they're on point. I have to make sure that they are learning everything that they need to learn and unlearning things that they shouldn't be learning. I am their parent and they know it. I bathe them. I clothe them. I do everything. He barely even bathes them when he has them. He will wait until they come back to me so that I can bathe them. Um, So 100%, I am their mother. I am their only parent and they know it. They know it. My kids know it. At four years old, they know. 
that I am their only parent. They love their dad and they love going to their dad, but they know that their dad is a vacation. They know that. And they know when they come to mom's house, they tell me all the time, I'm the mean one. I don't care that they call me the mean one because I am their parent. And this is my job to have stability for them and to make sure that they are normal kids and citizens of the world. They don't have one rule at their dad's house. They get away with everything. People, people tell me all the time, all the time, whether it be base, I mean, coaches or, um, you know, colleagues from their teams, their friends, family members, people in public, people that know us both will be like, girl, your kids are night and day from when they're with you to when they're with him. And I'm like, yeah, I discipline. I have stability. I make sure they know rules. They, they are not allowed to run amok. One waitress even told me, girl, your kids will be running around the restaurant. And I'm like, what? Oh, hell no. Like, but again, so again, I don't mind being the mean parent. I don't, I don't. My kids are well-behaved because I force them to be well-behaved. And I'm sure they're well-behaved with him in certain times. And that's because of me, not because of him. But as long as he gets the posts and as long as people keep telling him you're a good dad and, you know, fuck what Tina does and fuck what Tina says, I believe you. That's all he needs to get his fuel for fuel, his fire to his fuel. So that's all I'm going to say about the whole child support. I know that was much longer than I anticipated, but like I said, we're going raw. I'm not going to fucking edit this. We're doing it so that I can just get it out and shut you guys all up. Um, so, uh, yes, I will not get child support probably ever in my entire life. I probably won't. Um, but am I ever going to be the one that signs on the dotted line saying, forgive him of this debt? Nope. I guarantee you that shit ain't happening. Absolutely not 100%, but I probably won't ever see it. Probably won't ever see it. Okay. Moving on, um, to the episode. Okay. I, like I said, I had no idea where to start. I needed to lay this foundation. I needed to put you guys in my headspace. Last episode was more so like, this is what's going on in my life. Now I need to kind of clear the air, put you guys in my headspace, understand where I'm coming from so that we know kind of the avenues that we're taking. Number one, I don't want you guys to think that this is just going to be a never ending story of my life and my battle with everything, divorce, all the above that has gone on. It's not going to be that. We're going to take breaks. We're still going to do the fun things. We're still going to talk sex. We're still going to have rec tables. We're just still going to do interviews. In fact, I have great interviews set up. I just need to get to them. Um, But there's still going to be a lot of talk of healing and where I am and who I am. Because that's the number one thing. Who am I? I'm learning that daily. I'm learning that in everything I do. Um, But what I like to call this part of my life, this point in my life forward, is my turn, my chapter the new me, my new life. Um, And I know that all sounds so cliche, but it is literally the truth. um, I've never known that how empty I was. I've never known how blind I was. And I've never known how broken I was. I never known that I have no idea who I am. Um, I'm going to make a lot of blanket statements in this particular episode um, that will be talked about and detailed later. Um, so some things that I'm going to say are going to be super harsh and you're going to be like, what the fuck? Um, but when we get into the nitty gritty of them, 
you're going to understand. Um, so let's start off by the foundation. Who am I? What am I? Where do I come from? What is it? Um, I want to say that I went back and I listened to several episodes. I generally do that if someone writes me and they're listening to a certain episode, I go back to kind of figure out where they're coming from with what episode. Um, or if I'm referring someone to the podcast um, or in a certain episode of the podcast, I will go back and listen. But this point around, I decided to go in and listen to try and see just where my head was. One thing about a lot of you is you guys would catch me when I was falling. You guys would see and hear it in my voice that like Tina's cracking. Tina is breaking. Tina's not in a good space. Tina's headspace is wrong. Tina's feelings are off. Her emotions are gone. Whatever the case may be, and you guys, a lot of you would check me. A lot of you would write me and or call me if you knew me personally and be like, hey, are you good? I noticed on your episode this week, like, you're not okay. What's going on? Are you good? Blah, blah, blah. Um, one thing that I always, or I guess I never knew, was um, how... I guess, okay. One thing that I never knew was when I was falling, I would fall so quickly and I was still trying to hold masks. I was still, I was still carrying so much love and respect for my ex-husband, so much. And I'm sure there are plenty of you that are hearing this right now and you're like, oh my God, you finally realized it. I'm sure there are, I mean, I have tons of therapists that listen and I have a lot of friends that have gone through divorce and I have friends that have divorced narcissists or deal with narcissists. Um, I have people, part of my groups that listen to my podcast, certain things. Um, and I'm glad there's so many of you that are going to listen to this and be like, oh my God, she finally seen it. She finally understands Yes, I finally see it. Yes, I finally understand. I, I figured this out a long time ago, but sharing it with you guys, yes. I finally see that in my old episodes, I still carried a lot of respect, a lot of love, a lot of hurt, a lot of emotional connection, a lot of trauma bond with my ex-husband. Um, I come to you today and none of that exists. I couldn't even tell you that I love that man. And I can tell you now, I don't know if I ever really loved him. Um, I have come to the conclusion that I also, um, I held back a lot of things that were probably very confusing to not only me, but to you guys because I was so afraid of disrespecting him. Do you guys remember? I don't know if you guys remember this, but I just listened to it in one of my episodes that I didn't allow guys in my house because I felt that it was disrespectful to my ex-husband. And I didn't want people to think that because I was still his wife, I was allowing people in his in my house with his kids. And I thought it was the most disgusting thing ever. And how dare I do something like that? So I didn't allow people in my house, in my own house that this man has never paid a dime towards to. And I still was like, no, I can't make him look bad. I can't make him look bad. I can't do it. Now, people don't come to my house now, but that's just because I'm a single mom and I have to protect my kids and, you know, whatever the case is. But now, I don't give a fuck. I, I don't give a fuck about respecting him. He, he doesn't deserve an ounce of my respect. 
Another thing is I held back a lot and this might trigger a lot of people, but these are my beliefs. These are what I've come up with with my therapist and what I've learned and what I have decided to adopt into my life and my parenting plan and my parenting life Um, is I was always very hesitant about what I would say because I was afraid of the outcome that it would that would affect my kids or what my kids would actually learn about their dad or what they would think about me for saying things. And I still kind of struggle with me actually saying things out loud and on a platform. Like I I know that that's probably extreme or I know it is extreme, Um, but I'm no longer afraid to, I'm no longer protecting my kids from the reality of their life. And I learned that very quickly. Um, my therapist used to always tell me my old therapist, um, and I only have a new therapist because my old therapist, um, had to leave the program, but, um, my old therapist used to always tell me, you know, you, you have to, you can't shield them. They have to know what they're working with. And it was very hard for me to do that because I don't know if I've ever shared this with you guys, but I was raised by my dad and my dad used to protect us and I mean, conceal like there was no fucking tomorrow, anything that was going on around us regarding their divorce, custody, um, my mom's behaviors, um, things of the sort, um, the emotional, the physical, the mental abuse, things like that. My dad would protect me and my siblings like no other. My The vision of our mom was never tainted by anything my dad said or anything my dad did, or anything that we viewed, because my dad protected us like it was his life. Now, I don't blame, this is, I'm going to get emotional, but it's just because it's my dad. I don't blame my dad one bit for that. I love him for that. He's my hero for that. He gave me an amazing life, and he was everything I needed. He was my hands, he was my eyes, he was my ears, he was my legs. He was everything that I needed And he got us through a very tough thing that we never knew was even going on. Now, with that being said, my dad passed now. And I am literally, literally, me and my kids are history repeating itself of my dad and my mom's divorce. Literally history repeating itself. And with that, I remember thinking to myself or journaling one day and saying, my dad showed me how to be strong and he showed me how to get through this. But he never gave me the rule book. He never told me. He never showed a sign of emotion. He never showed a sign of distress. He never showed what was really going on. And he never taught us how to deal with it. He just taught us, you're strong, you get through it, your kids are your life, and that's it. And that's exactly what my dad was, and I love him for it. And I I could never, he's my hero, and I don't say that lightly. That is literally what my dad is to all three of us. Now, with that being said, I look at my kids, and when their dad disappoints them, I would try and nurture them through it and I would try and love them through it and basically I would try and go above and beyond 
in whatever way I could so that I can over parent or over love or over give or do whatever I could to try and fill that void. And I was exhausting myself. I was exhausting myself so much. And I, I couldn't figure out why, because I was just so, I just wanted to protect them from their dad. I just wanted to, and it's not that he hurts them. It's not that he does things to them or anything like that, but it's just little things that I guess kids can grasp on and it's it's blind to someone who's not self-aware and someone who doesn't have empathy and someone who doesn't um feel bad for doesn't take other people's feelings into consideration it's it's blind to him and I know that now because I'm an adult that have has healed from him but there would be certain things that I just couldn't get my kids through or I would know that hey they're attached to me right now because there's something else going on. And me trying to get through that with them at such a small age, my kids are only four years old, was so fucking hard. And I remember being like, dad, how did you do this? How did you do this? Like, oh my God, like, I just need you here so that you can just tell me, like, you just needed to tell me, but you left me and you didn't give me the rule book. You just taught me how to be strong. And I don't want to be strong because I just want to be right. I just want to be correct. And I want to end this. I want to end this generational curse. I want my kids to be better. I want them to be knowledgeable. I want them to be stable. Like, I want this to be done correctly this time. And I would get so mad at my dad during therapy sessions when I would talk about it. But now... I'm very open with my kids. And being that they're only four years old, I don't get them involved in grown folks business. I don't sit there and tell them like, you know, I think this of your dad or your dad's not giving me money or your dad's this or I never, I would never, ever do that. I, that's one thing my dad never did was he never talked badly about my mom ever. He let us form our own opinions and we formed them when we became teenagers and that was it. And every counselor, every group, every person I've ever spoke to has all told me, your kids will form their own opinion. They're not going to be little forever. You just do what you got to do. And at four years old, my kids know. My kids know. Um, There are certain things that they know. They don't know the extent of a lot of things, but there are certain things that they know. And some things that they say will break my heart. Some things that they do will break my heart. And some things that they're hesitant about, I understand. Um, I don't know if it's because I lived it, but I understand it. And so now I don't sugarcoat it. If he's not showing up or he's not coming to get them, I'm, they'll cry and they'll say, you know, whatever to me. And I'll be like, I'm sorry, baby, your daddy doesn't tell me anything, but mommy's here and you're going to stay with mommy. And, you know, mommy loves you and mommy's happy to have you here. And we're going to do something and daddy's going to come pick you up another day. You know, like it's, I don't shield them as, as well as the whole money thing. Um, one really horrible story that I have that I really beat my own self up for is, um, my kids don't have the life they have with their dad here. They're, they know when we go to stores, they, they can't get toys. They know that we're not going to the movies and Chuck E. Cheese in the same night. They know that I'm not going to Legoland and spending four days at the Legoland Hotel. They know that we're not going to eat at McDonald's just because they say. They know that we're not going to go get ice cream just because they want ice cream. They don't have the luxuries that they have at their dad's. Um, I don't have the money that he has and I don't have the luxuries that he has. So they're well aware of it. But at some point I had to teach them 
this is what money is. When mommy gives them their card, this there's money on that card. And money is what you have to pay. And, you know, I'm teaching, trying to teach them the concept of money so that they understand that it's not because I don't want to or because I'm the mean parent. It's because I don't have money. Now, with in return for me doing that, their dad is over there telling them, I have money and showing them I have money and telling them, if you want a toy, don't tell mommy, tell me. He's the one over there taking them to buy toys and telling them, you can take that to your mom's house so you can have a toy. He's the one basically putting in their mind that he has the money. So one day I bring my kid, my kids home or whatever, and I'm washing their clothes and I pull my son's jeans out to throw them in the washer and all this change falls out. And I'm like, oh, so I call him over and I'm like, son, all your money fell out. Go put it in your piggy bank. My son picks up all of this money and he hands it to me and it's just changed. And he hands it to me and he said, mommy, I brought you money so that you could go and buy us food or whatever we need because you don't have money. And I literally looked at him like, you're four years old. You're four. Like, how did I do this to you? And I sat there and I blamed myself and I was so mad at myself because how did I make him understand the concept of money to now where his natural born instinct is giving and loving? My son has the biggest heart. Not only that, he's a male, he's masculine, he's a protector, he's a provider naturally. And he's the only boy in our house. And what was he going to take from his dad? He was going to take money because that's what he can take from his dad to help his mom. And yet his dad's this piece of shit that's like, I'm never helping his mom. And I was so mad at myself until I had therapy that week. And she was like, this is not you. Like, this is not you. You were just teaching them a lesson. You're trying to make your life easier. You're showing them the reality of life. Like, it's okay. But I'm like, no, it's not because I... I made my son think like an adult and that's not okay. Like he shouldn't worry about his mom not having money. Like, do you understand what that does for me as a person? Because I've always been independent. I've always been independent, always. And the fact that I have kids that I can't give them the same life that their dad does because their dad basically ruined my life. Um, And now my son sees me as this victim I guess I guess in his mind in my mind that's how I look at it and I know that's not the reality of it but that's the effect that it had and now I try to reverse that so much like I try to not tell them anything like if we're at the grocery store and they want something I'm like I don't tell them like that's too much money I try to just you know like redirect them to so that they just kind of forget about it um I try to avoid certain things so that they're just not asking for things like because the reason I started telling them these things was because it was just so hard on me to always hear them like why not my daddy does you're so mean boo it just started to get so hard like I won't even take them to the mall with me anymore because if I take them to play at the mall they're like well we want McDonald's we want ice cream we want to go get a pretzel can we go get a toy and it's like I'm telling them no consistently. They're throwing fits left and right because that's what they're just so used to. And it's like, eventually I had to figure out a way to like help us all out, <laughs> help us all out. Let's let's get through this together. But now I have my four-year-old son taking money from his dad and giving it to me. Whether his dad is giving it to him or not, like here, um, I wouldn't put it past his dad where he's like, here, give this to your mom just to be a dick. But 
Um, the simple fact that he, you know, just thinks like, oh, my dad has money. I know my dad has money. And he'll tell anyone. He'll tell anyone my daddy has money in his truck and his, I don't know if it's change. I don't know if it's dollars. I don't know what it is. But in his truck, on his dresser, in his bed, blah, blah, blah. He talks about how his dad has so much money all the time. Um, but either way, I don't, I don't protect my kids from it. So I, I do look at the podcast now of me actually coming out and saying things that um, they have to know what they're they're dealing with. I can't protect them. I can't hold the mask on their dad for them. They're going to realize who he is, what he is as they go on, as they will with me. They are going to realize that I'm a big mouth and I'm going to fucking, I'm a hothead and I'm going to go off on somebody or their dad mainly, um, that I lose my patience with them, that I need a lot of breaks from them. They have seen the devil come out of me at certain times, meaning like I, they can all be going freaking nuts and I'm just like, stop, like, you know, whatever. And I lose it and I have to walk outside to cool myself down or go into my room or jump in the shower or whatever, because there are a lot of things that they see that I'm not perfect. I'm not a perfect parent, nor am I a perfect human. Um, they may grow up one day and hate me for saying any of these things, but, um, it's not my job to to protect them from the life that they're destined to live, unfortunately, the person that they're destined to be with and the things that they learn. Um, there are so many bad traits that they come home with um, from their dad's house. And I'm like, we don't do that. We don't do that. Saying sorry is the biggest one that bothers the shit out of me. Like, I don't even know where it comes from, but they're constantly like, sorry, sorry, sorry. And I'm like, dude, stop saying sorry. Stop saying sorry. Like, stop saying sorry. I don't know where it comes from. I don't even, it would be unfair for me to say that it even comes from him, but it's only my house and his house. Um, so that, that's another thing that I'm kind of no longer doing in the podcast. I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to say it. I'm obviously not going to talk about my kids. That's, they have nothing to do with any of this, but, um, simple factors of parenting that I deal with that I've just kind of saved because it involves my kids and I don't want them to grow up and just look at me and be like, why would you talk about that? You know, um, certain things, certain behaviors that their dad has and things of the sort that I deal with. Um, and lastly, I have come to terms, remember blanket statements, we're going to get through this, um, with, I've had to come to terms with and deal with and un fucking peel this onion. And this was the hardest onion I've unpeeled yet that I had children and my ex-husband and the man that I was with for 19 years is my abuser. The man that I was in love with is my abuser. Now, abuse on many levels. However, um, I don't want anyone to think like, oh my God, like he beat her. No, 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 no. We're not saying that. Um, there's all kinds of different forms of abuse and you learn that. Um, and you can say that it's stupid, whatever the case you may think it is, but it's real and it's, it's out there and it's horrible to go through. Um, I still, to this day have to deal with it. Um, current issues that I still have to deal with it. I mean, child, child support, there you go. There's one financial abuse. Um, now one thing I don't know if I've ever mentioned, but it's going to lay a very thick foundation for you guys and we're going to build off of it is I was 14 when I got with my ex-husband. I was 14. 
I was 14. I was still developing mentally, emotionally, physically. I was barely in high school. I was a popular girl in high school. I um, was living with my dad. I um, didn't have very strict parents, but they were strict enough. Um, I lived a good little high school life. I had a lot of friends. I would party. I would do all the things. Now, let me throw a wrench in all of this. I was 14. He was 20. He was 20. I was 14. What is a 20-year-old doing with a 14-year-old? Let's repeat this again. I was 14. Let's look at someone that you know that is 14 years old. How vulnerable is a 14-year-old? How flexible is a 14-year-old? How teachable is a 14-year-old? How groomable is a 14-year-old? 100%. I lost myself at 14 years old. I stopped growing. I stopped growing to what I was destined to grow at and started growing at the rate of the grooming that was being done by my boyfriend who was six years older than me. He was my first everything, everything. And he was, I thought he would be my last. So let's take that into consideration and try to understand why I stayed throughout the multiple affairs, um, why I excused, why I tried to love him through it, why I tried to people please, why I lost it so hard and so bad when I lost his family, that I have so much anger towards his family and him now that I resent them, that I was so hurt and lost that it took me so long to get through it. I was 14 years old. I was thrown out on a street with three babies and I didn't even know what to do because my dictator was the one who threw me there, made me sit there. And all the family that's always protected me and has been in my family because his parents raised me. His parents raised me. I was 14 years old. I am between the ages of their kids. They, I was right there with them. And they also left me. Not only did they leave me, they left me with three of their own that were infants. So coming to terms with the idea of that was fucking mind boggling. When my first therapist told me, I need to let you go to another therapist, at least for a little while, or group therapies of domestic abuse. I need you to go and I need you to be open-minded. And I was like, I don't fit that mold. I don't fit that mold. I don't, I don't want to be there. It doesn't have anything to do with me. I don't need to be there. And she's like, yes, you do. Trust me. And I would say after my second group session, I was like, Jessica, why do these people sound like me? And she was like, honey, you were 14 years old. And that's when I went on my hiatus. That was something that I couldn't grasp. I couldn't believe that I was much more of a victim than the things that I dealt with at 32 years old. But what I, in actuality, in reality, when I turned 32 years old and I went through all of this and I ended up leaving my husband, my everything, my family, everything, I lost everything everything that I ever fucking knew more than half of my life, 19 years of being groomed by this man and being controlled and being taught and being molded into everything 
so that I can be his punching bag for the rest of my life. And I had to realize that I didn't even know if it was love. That can fuck a person up. That fucked me up. Um, so that we will get into as well. Um, I want to say I wasn't a child bride. I wasn't forced into it. I believed I loved my ex-husband. I believed I was ready to get married at 19 years old. I believed he was the love of my life. I believed it all. I was 100% on. No one made me do it. He didn't force me to do it. I was on board. I did what I wanted to do at the age of 14. I did. But I was 14. And is he the only one to blame? Absolutely not. There are several people in this story that should be blamed for that actually happening. But um, in the end, when shit hit the fan, that would explain to you why I couldn't think like a normal person. In my mind, I wasn't thinking like a normal person. I was still stuck in that. I was still 14 years old. And that explains why I went through the hoe phase. That explains why I had no idea what I wanted. That explains why I craved male attention like no other. That explains why I went numb. That explains why I couldn't deal with even thinking that he wasn't right next to me. Like there's so much, there were so many layers that I had to get through to get through that. Now, lastly, when my ex-husband got into his new relationship and that relationship, I, again, no fault on the girl whatsoever, whatsoever. She's a grown ass woman. She'll find out for herself. It is what it is. Um, but I couldn't ever understand how I would sit back and look at this man, whether it was posts or whatever the case may be, um, and see how happy quote unquote he seemed, how his life was just so normal. And it would make me so angry, so, so angry. I would look at him and think, how, how, how is a person like him normal? How does he go on and nothing is, he's untouched? What in the actual fuck? He's ruined lives after lives and families after families and kids and children and relationships between mothers and kids and mothers and sons. He's ruined Families within each other. Grandma Horse family still has family members that don't speak to each other because of the affair. Because let's never forget that my ex-husband had affairs with people that he was close to. They were never random people. They were never people that he just met at work. No, they were childhood friends. They were best friends. They were his wife's best friend. They were people that he hung out with daily at work. There were people that he knew this person's wife, a husband, and hung out with him. They were his work colleagues. They were never random people. So when these affairs came to surface, and yes, you guys only know about three of them. There were several more. When these affairs came to surface, um, people fucking fell apart. Families fell apart, fell apart, and still are dealing with the aftermath, whether they stayed together or not. In counseling, their kids are in counseling. Therapy, kids don't talk to their moms. Kids don't talk to their dads. Kids, all of the fucking divide that this man destroyed so many fucking people's lives, including his own wife, 
our own children and his own life. And he walks around and is like, people just need to get on with life because I'm happy. Look at me and let me parade around the world to show that I'm happy and I've gotten over it. Gotten over what? Happy about what? How do you have a human fucking sense to be able to go on with life knowing that you've destroyed so many people's lives? So many people's lives. I mean... I talked to a lot of people that are involved in the past affairs because, again, they were close to us. I remained in contact with whether it be a cousin, a sister, a relative, an aunt, whatever the case may be, because I was always, I'm the same person that I am to everyone now. I, I become friends with everyone. I talk to everyone, whatever the case may be. And I've remained in contact with a lot of people. And when I, you know, eventually touch base with them or we run into each other or whatever the case may be. And they, you know, tell me, oh, how's this person? How's this person? And I hear the aftermath of this man never having remorse, never saying sorry to a single soul, never taking accountability, never having self-awareness, never has never stepped foot into a therapist's office, has never apologized. Have I said that? Have I said that? Not only do I say, when I say apologize, most people aren't going to have an affair and they're going to go back and find this person's husband and apologize to them. That's not really something you do. But when you are friends with the person's husband, or you are a colleague of the person's husband, or you're the brother-in-law of the person's wife, or you are the uncle of the person's daughter, or you are a long lifetime friend of the person's husband or kids or whatever baby you're the cousin of this person you're going to eventually send a message or knock on that door just like it wasn't hard for you to sleep in that man's house with his wife you're going to eventually knock on that door or send a message and say I'm sorry I understand what I did now I know he hasn't done that to anyone, but not only that, he's never even done that for me. He's never even said sorry to me. I have never heard I'm sorry out of that man's mouth. What I have heard is it's your fault. This is why I did it. You did this. You did this. You're not a victim. You're blah, blah, blah. That's why I did it. You forced me to do it. Um, I've been blamed for it left and right, not only by him, but by members of his family and not to my face, but the fact what people don't understand, I don't think, is that when you victim blame, you def- you're, what you're doing is protecting the abuser. That's what you're doing. You're making sure that this light around the abuser is not being dimmed by this victim. So we need to shift it and make it so that this victim is now the problem so that this abuser still stands in his light. And when I look at his life, when I look at everything that goes on, I think like, this is so disgusting. This is so disgusting. So this is why this comeback is so personal. Because I've gotten to this anger part, which I'm sure so many of you have been waiting for. And then I'm sure that there's some of you that are going to be like, oh my God, here we go. Um, but keep listening. You're, you're, you're going to like the anger. Um, I, again, I don't retaliate. I don't. Um, I don't pay it any energy any longer. I don't pay him any energy. Um, I try my hardest not to. 
there are always going to be times that I fall back and there are always going to be times that he gets me to react. Um, there are always going to be times that I will sit and dwell in anger. Um, I don't sadness. Um, it's been a very long time, well over a year that I've actually cried or missed him or whatever the case may be. Um, I've already grieved my husband. He's dead and gone, literally dead and gone. He doesn't exist. He hasn't existed in years. Um, I don't, he's a shell. When I see him, he's literally a shell of a human that I don't know this person. I share kids with him. I don't know him. Um, I wish I didn't share kids with him, but it is what it is. Um, so this episode, I know it was kind of all over the place, but like I said, I needed to lay a foundation. I needed everyone to know, like, we're forgetting the old Tina. We're forgetting those thoughts. We're forgetting that love. We're forgetting that respect. We're forgetting that mutual, um, respect or forgetting the protection that I placed on people. We're forgetting the protection of my words. We're forgetting the cautiousness. We're forgetting all of it. Um, I'm going to be way more raw than you ever thought I would be. Um, and all bets are off. I've lost everything and I've lost everyone with that. I have nothing left to lose. Right. I mean, why not? Um, not only that, I've gotten to a state that, um, I feel the, I'm no longer this victim of, I mean, I still am and I always will be this victim of betrayal and narcissism and, um, a survivor of, you know, being groomed and all these things. I'm past all of that. I've gotten through all of that. Now I'm just angry at the abusers. I'm angry at being lied to. I'm angry at all these things that I didn't deserve because not only was I, I get, I went through things that people would never go through in their entire life. But, um, I mean, so many things by the same person, by the same person, he's the core. That's what I think people don't understand is he's the core of it all. Yes. There's another person involved in these affairs that he's had, but he's the core. He's the common denominator. He's the one that was invited into people's houses and took advantage of that. He was one that slept in the same bed as this person in another man's house. Like, you fucking disgusting piece of shit. Like, yeah, gross. I don't get it. Anyways, um, first of all, I know this little last part right now that I just recorded um, has a totally different voice background, all the above. My editing is shit on that. However, um, something happened with the last part when I was recording because I'm not lying to you guys. This was completely all unedited, raw. I went straight through. I'm not cutting anything out. But something happened to the last part. And as I was releasing right now, I realized the last part wasn't on there, the ending. So um, ride with me. Let's get through this. Um, I have so many things lined up for this podcast. I have some great interviews coming. I have a couple rec tables planned. Um, my BFF, my boy BFF Tennessee has moved to Tennessee. He moved back and I'm very heartbroken and sad by it, but he's totally like, I will totally do, I will still sit in with you. So we're trying to plan that out. Um, yeah, um, I have so many ideas and we're not going to just sit here and cry and be angry and you know, hate the world and talk about my ex-husband. In fact, I'd rather not talk about him. And that was totally the plan this whole episode. 
I mean, this whole season, but I realized it's really, really hard to not talk about him because he's pretty much the center of these things. Um, but I mean, talking about him currently, I mean, we'll see, I don't know. Um, but feelings, emotions, all that's gone. But, um, yes. So ride with me. Let's get through it. Let's have our phone again. Let's, I mean, I have so much to tell you. Someone please remind me at some point of the Viking because you guys need the Viking story. Um, we love us a good fucking six, four, 350 pound Viking. Yes, we, we love the Viking. Um, so yeah, write me, tell me what you guys think. Um, give me ideas. Um, you know, I love all the feedback and you don't have to write me on the podcast. If you know my number, snap all that, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, follow the TikTok page. I'm trying to interact as much as I can on TikTok and get to know people and, you know, spread the word and whatever. Um, it's doing pretty well so far. Um, but we can do better. So fuck the world, be happy, make yourself happy. Um, live for you and go out and spread love and light in the world and also all the fuck yous needed. Love you all. Talk to you soon. Bye.